0: Amen. Well, uh, this will be the last message of the year, and I promise you, I won't preach again till next year, okay, all right, uh, after tonight's message, and so, uh, uh, last one, uh, we're going to be in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, I was praying about what to bring tonight, as far as the last message of the year, and I got out of bed this morning, as I often do when I get out of bed. I just uh, begin my morning with a, just a simple conversation with the Lord and just thanking Him for allowing me to get out of bed and, and uh, just to uh, be, have another day of life. And uh, just as clear as day, I didn't hear an audible voice, uh, but the, thought, the Lord put the thought in my mind about this message this morning. And uh, I'm gonna, we're going to uh, preach for a few minutes uh, tonight. On uh, the last words i 'm going to call it last word lessons, last word lessons, so Ecclesiastes chapter seven, if you find your place, stand with me together as we read the scripture i 'm going to read verses one through eight and uh, notice here some interesting statements here that King Solomon made as we read these verses and again, these are uh, uh, written by uh, the one of the wisest men that was on the earth, and uh, he made some interesting contrasts, things that maybe we wouldn 't think would be, uh, but of course God in His wisdom has declared them to be. Here we go. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 1 through 8. A good name is better than precious ointment, and the day of death uh, than the day of one's birth. It's better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting, for that is the end of all men, and, and the living will lay it to his heart. Sorrow is better than laughter, for by the sadness of the countenance the heart is made better. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in in the house of mirth. It's better to hear the rebuke of, uh, of the wise than for a man to hear the song of fools. For as the crackling of thorns under a pot, so is the laughter of the fool. This also is vanity. Surely oppression maketh a wise man mad, and a gift destroyeth the heart. Better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof, and the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Let's pray. Lord, we love you tonight. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to gather together as your people, Lord, in your house, singing your praises. And now, Lord, as we close out this year, Lord, around your word, I pray you'd speak to us through it tonight, Lord, and I pray that you'd teach us some things and help us, Lord, minister to our hearts. I pray that you'd help me to preach the way, uh, Lord, the message you've given for me to preach and the way you'd have for me to preach it. And just bless us, we pray now, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, there's a lot of different things in here, uh, a lot of uh, uh, statements that were made. Uh, that truth be told, require a little bit of spiritual understanding. I you mean, know, for example, the day of death and the day of one's birth. I mean, you know what? You know what we celebrate? We celebrate birthdays, right? I mean, uh, here on Sunday morning, and uh, we uh, we'll we'll recognize your birthday and we'll we'll sing to you. Uh, You know, I don't think we've ever you know stood up and sang Happy Death Day, right? I mean, that's just not what we think of. That's not what we celebrate. Uh, But the Bible says that the day of death is better than the day of one's birth. Now, let me say this as a Christian, all right? Uh, You know what? That's absolutely true as a Christian. Uh, For the one that's passing into eternity. Eternity—it's better. Amen. Now, maybe not so much for those that are left behind, but for those that are passing and returning. Are you kidding me, folks? You're just beginning true life then. And so, again, we could preach a lot of different things through here, but I want to focus on just a couple statements out of a couple of these verses, which is kind to be the platform for the message tonight. Notice what he says here in verse 2. He says, For that is the end of all men, and the living will lay it to his heart. And, again, he's talking about uh, death. He's talking about uh, the fact that when someone passes away, that there's something about the end of their life that people will take it to heart. And I will just say this, as a pastor, uh, uh, having preached funerals before, uh, I don't think that there's a a, a more of of an apt time in life where people are focused into the eternal than they are at a funeral. You know what, at least in our culture, we still have funerals where, where people gather together. And you know what they're seeing? They're literally facing, looking at death square in the eye. And they're thinking about it, and it doesn't really matter what kind of walk of life they're from. They all have one thing on their mind, the death of a loved one. What an opportunity as a pastor, as a Christian, to give someone the message of hope at a funeral. In fact, I look forward to preaching funerals, to be honest with you. Now, if it's someone I know, uh, someone I was close to, of course, we, we mourn together. As the Bible says, we weep with them that weep. But what an opportunity to preach the gospel at a funeral. In fact, almost every funeral I preach, I give, I, give, I give the gospel, give an opportunity for folks to be saved. And I've seen uh, scores of people saved at funerals. So what an opportunity. But what he says here is the end of all men and the living will take it to heart. And then down at verse 8, better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. So there's something about the end of something that, that there's relevance to. And so what I did was, here's the thought the Lord gave me this morning was this. What are some of the last words that people in the Bible said? And what are some lessons we can learn from their last words? Now, I'll be honest with you. I could probably develop this into a series of messages, uh, but for your sake and our sake, for our fellowship, I'm not going to do that tonight. Amen. Uh, We're just going to kind of take a peek at some of these and I'm going to give you some truths tonight. Now, I looked at a few uh, for illustration purposes, some famous uh, people whose last words, what they were, and uh, I found some that were good, some that were not good. And I'm just going to give you the good ones tonight, and then we'll jump right into the message. Here's what Martin Luther said. His last words was this, Our God is the God from whom salvation cometh. God is the Lord by whom we escape death. Amen? Uh, how about this? Uh, this was said by a, name, a man named Richard Baxter. He was a 17th century theologian. He said this, "...I have pain, but I have peace, I have peace." John Knox uttered these piercing words, and then he entered into eternity. Here's what he said, Live in Christ, die in Christ, and the flesh needeth not fear death. Then a man named Joseph Everett, when he was dying, here's what he had to say, Glory, 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 and continued exclaiming glory for over 25 minutes until he was whisked away by the angels to the gates of heaven. And so folks, I'll just say this, there's something different about when a Christian dies And when a lost person dies, amen, I've been in the presence of both and I'll just say this I'd much rather be in the presence of someone who's saved than not saved when they pass into eternity Amen, I'm not preaching on that tonight We're preaching about the words that a person said as they uh, the last words before they uh, that they went to be with the Lord So let's take a look at these Let me give you a few things tonight and then we will move on with the service Uh, the first one take your Bibles. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 33 Deuteronomy chapter 33. Does anybody know, uh, who might have spoken the last words in the last chapter or near the last chapter of the book of Deuteronomy? Anyone want to take a guess? Who was that? Moses. You got, hey, you guys are good. Amen. Moses. That's right. Here's what Moses had to say. In fact, Deuteronomy chapter 33 is interesting. It is uh, Moses, the whole chapter is pretty much his last speech, if you will, to the children of Israel. And uh, again, I could probably develop several messages out of, out of those principles there, but we're going to look at the near, the near the end of the chapter, verse 29, Deuteronomy chapter 33, verse 29, and here is what Moses said, "'Happy art thou, O Israel,' Who is likened to thee, O people, saved by the Lord? Isn't that interesting that happiness goes along with salvation, amen? And by the way, folks, as Christians, we ought to be some of the happiest people on the face of the earth, right? It doesn't mean we don't face problems, we don't have issues, but here's what it means is that we have God to help us through those things, amen? And it's not, the, it's not like folks that don't know the Lord. It's different, amen, because we have God on our side, Notice what he said here. The shield of thy help and who is the sword of thy excellency and thine enemies shall be found liars unto thee and thou shalt tread upon their high places. Now it makes sense that Moses would give this speech because Israel is getting ready to enter into the promised land to conquest their enemies. And so here's the principle I could, I believe we can learn from Moses' last words is this. God can give us victory over our enemies. Amen. God can give us victory over our enemies. Now, as a Christian, if you live the Christian life the way God wants for you to live it, you'll have some enemies. Amen? There's no doubt about it. By the way, I'd get get a little nervous uh, in the Christian life if you didn't have enemies because that means you're probably not living the way God wants for you to live. Amen? Because let me tell you right now, if you're a warrior for God, you know what warriors do? They fight in battles. Amen? And you know what a common denominator about battles are? There's an enemy you got to fight. Now, what's the enemies that God can give us victory over? Well, let's start right where it ought to start at. That's old smutty face himself, amen? Hey, listen, folks, God can give us victory over the devil, amen? God can give you victory over the devil. By the way, you know all he is? He's just an unemployed archangel As all Satan is, amen? Why in the world would you want to follow him? Why in the world would you want to listen to him, amen? I mean, he got kicked out of heaven. He got booted out. And I understand he's a formidable foe. Now, understand we shouldn't take him for granted, but praise the Lord, God can give us victory, yes, even over the devil himself. Amen? I think it's kind of fitting how this thing's coming full circle. We started the year with our theme, having done all the standing, Ephesians chapter 6. Let me just remind you once again what we've talked a lot about this year. Let me just read the verses to you. Amen? Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 13. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Now listen, folks, that's a promise that God has given to us as Christians that if we will do it God's way by putting on His armor and standing in the power of His might, we can beat the devil. Amen? James chapter 4, verse 7. This is one of my ammo verses. This is one of the ones I use in my spiritual arsenal. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Amen? Now listen, you don't have to be the devil's little toy. He don't have to control you like one of those little puppets on a string, amen? He doesn't have to, uh, just every time he wants you to do what he wants, you don't have to do it. You know why? God gives us victory over the devil. Now, if there's anything we need to take into the, this new year, is that we can have victory. Amen? But not just over the devil. He's not the only thing we got to fight. How about this old world? Amen? I'm going to tell you something. We've got to fight, and we've got to keep from allowing the world's philosophies to come and, and permeate into our hearts as Christians. John chapter 15, this is when Jesus was having his last prayer meeting with his disciples before he was to suffer his passion. And that whole chapter, man, there's a lot of meat in that chapter. But here's just a couple of verses. John chapter 15, verse 18 and 19. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. By the way, you know what we can learn from that? That as Christians, guess what? We're not of this world. I don't mean as far as living here. Of course, you know, God, the world isn't referring to the planet Earth. It's referring to the systems of this world. Amen? Let me tell you right now, there is a night and day difference, or there should be anyway, between the Christian, between the Christian and the stinking old wicked world. Amen? Listen, folks, we don't have the same philosophies they have. We don't have the same goals they have. We don't do the same things they do. Right? I mean, come on, isn't tonight a perfect example of that? What's most worldly people doing tonight? They're seeing how drunk they can get, how much they can party, and the debauchery they can involve themselves in. That's not what we as Christians do. You know why? Because we're not like them, that's what. Amen. Unashamedly, Christians ought to be different than the world. Amen? Now, I'm going to be doing a lot of preaching on that this year, so we're going to keep moving tonight, alright? Number uh, number three, what else does God give us victory over? How about this? How about the old stinking, wicked flesh? Amen? The old stinking wicked flesh. Romans chapter 6. For if we were, have been planted together in the likeness of His death, we shall be also in the likeness of His resurrection, knowing this, that our old man, or the flesh, is crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin, for he that is dead is freed from sin. Amen? Now listen to me, folks. We can have victory over this old stinking wicked flesh. Now I know it's strong. And I know it's got a pull on us, and, and we gotta, we got to live in it, I guess you could say. But you know what? As Christians, you know what? We can have victory over it. And by the way, the Bible talks a lot about, and again, we're going to preach a lot about that this year, so I'm going to keep on moving, but God can give you victory over that. And how about this? We're going to we're gonna uh, move on to the next point after this one. You know God gives us victory over death? God gives us victory. Here's what the Bible says, 1 Corinthians 15, 26. The last enemy that shall be destroyed, is death. Amen? I'm going to tell you, death is not the same for a Christian as it is for the lost. We have victory over death. You know what all death is right now, folks? Death is just a vehicle that takes us to the presence of our Savior. Amen? And so God will give us victory over those things. So that's what we learned from the last words of Moses. How about this? Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. Go there. You want want to guess who we're going to give the last words up here? Who? There you go. Hey, you figured it out, man. Even he's homeschooled, he figured it out. All right. Joshua, right? Joshua chapter 24, verse 15, pretty famous verse. Now, these weren't the exact last words of Joshua, but they were within his last charge that he gave to the people here. It was part of his last speech, if you will. And again, this is a very famous passage of Scripture. But man, this is a good principle. Joshua 24, verse 15, And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. Here we go, you ready? But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen? Now most of us probably have a plaque hanging somewhere in our house that says that. And you know what? I think it's a wonderful, a wonderful thing to hang on your wall, but it's more than just some cute little Christian saying. Amen? And here's the principle we learned from Brother Joshua. Serving God is a choice. Serving God is a choice. You know what? Let me tell you what life is about, folks. It's about decisions. Right? God has given us and gifted us with a free will. And all of us make many different decisions every single day. Some are great decisions, some are small decisions. Nevertheless, you know what we, the thing about our decisions are? We must, uh, live with the results of our decisions. For example, all right, here in a little bit, uh, I'm going to have for us here, let me add up the math here real quick, 150 inches of pizza, okay? And so there's going to be a lot of pizza back there. Uh, there's a lot of uh, good uh, desserts and other foods back. Who brought a vegetable tray? Man, are you kidding me? <laughs> vegetable tray? Really? I mean, come on. No, I actually really like bell peppers, all right? So that's good. But, man, you always got to have that healthy snob in there. And I'm just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding, Miss Bonnie. I like vegetables. Amen. <laughs> but no, here's the thing. Guess what? If you decide you're gonna go back there and at you know nine nine thirty at night, you're gonna just gorge yourself on pizza. You're gonna live with those that 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 decision, right? Okay. Or if you're gonna go back there and nibble on rabbit food, amen, or whatever. I mean, that's just one small area of life. But truth be told, folks, listen to me. Uh, You know what? A lot of people make bad choices and have to live with those decisions. Uh, How about here? Here's someone who made a bad decision, Lot. Oh, man, you talk about a disaster. Here's what the Bible says. Then Lot chose him. All the plain of Jordan. And Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves the one from the other. I don't think Lot had any idea the consequence of that one choice. He chose him. You know what he chose to do? He chose to pitch his tent toward Sodom. I don't know if he ever planned on going to Sodom, but you know what he did? He pinched his tent towards Sodom. And he separated from his uncle Abraham, who he should have stayed with, and done whatever he had to do to stick with Abraham. Amen? But you know what? Lot made a bad choice. How about this? Here's an illustration of a good choice. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 40, this is David. And he took his staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in the shepherd's bag, which he had. You know what that speaks of? That speaks of a choice that's made to do the will of God, no matter what the cost was. Amen? Talk about a choice of courage, a choice of commitment. David made a good choice. Amen? And folks, let me just say this. When it comes down to our lives, when it comes down to serving God, it's a choice that every single one of us must make. Every single one of us. And you know what? I say this to these young people. Young people, one day you're going to have to choose. Amen. You're going to. I, I still remember the day I chose. I, it's one of those milestones in my life. I remember it. And I remember making the conscious choice of what I was going to do to follow the will of God for my life. And young people, listen to me. You one day are going to have to choose. It's not good enough for what your parents have done. It's not good enough for what your pastor's done. You're going to have to make the choice for yourself. Amen? For yourself. And parents, that's why we better stay on our knees. That's why we better keep our kids in the church house. That's why we better make sure we back it up at home. You know why? So they'll have the best opportunity to choose right. Amen? Choosing God's a choice. You know what? It's just not young people that have to choose. All of us have to choose by the way, it's just not a one-time choice. It's a daily choice. Amen? A daily choice whether or not you're going to follow the will of God or you're going to follow your own will or the devil's will or the world's will. Amen? So serving God's a choice. How about this? Judges chapter 16. Anybody want to know who we're going to talk about here? There you go. Man, you guys are really good. Amen? Judges chapter 16, uh, verse 28. Take your Bible. Turn over there. Judges chapter 16, verse 28. Here's a man who who chose. That was Samson. Samson. Bible says this. Judges chapter 16, verse 28. Here's the end of his life. Here's his last words. And Samson called unto the Lord and said, O Lord God, remember me. I pray thee and strengthen me. I pray thee only this once, O God, that I may be at once have been to the Philistines for my two eyes. That was his last words. You know what we can learn from Samson? How about this? Living for self and sin will cost you big time. Oh yeah, that's what Samson teaches us. Living for self and sin will cost you big time. You talk about a, uh, a life that had amazing potential in Samson. Amazing potential. God gifted him with something he's never gifted anyone else with. And God gifted him so that he could deliver Israel from the Philistines. By the way, Samson didn't do uh, uh, probably a fourth of what God wanted him to do. Okay? And you know why? Because you know what Samson's life was about? Himself. His desires, his passions, what he wanted instead of what God wanted. I'm going to tell you something, folks. You know what? If you're going to live the Christian life the way God wants for you to live it, you know what it's going to mean? It's going to mean denying self. Dying to self. Here's what Jesus said in John chapter 12, verse 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose it. He that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. You know God's ways are always in opposition of the ways of this world. You know what God says? God says if you want to go up, then you first got to go down. If you want to live, then first you must die. If you want to gain, then you must first lose. Amen? Let me say this, folks. You know what? Uh, You'll never be what God wants you to be if you don't learn to die to self and say no to sin. I'm going to tell you again, it goes back to choices. It goes back to how we're going to live this life God's called for us to live. One of my favorite quotes by a great missionary of yesteryear, maybe you've heard this name before, Jim Elliott. I've used him as an illustration before, but he was one of those young men in his his 20s as a missionary that God put on his heart to reach the Aka Indians down there in South America, a tribe that had never been reached with the gospel before. And you ought to read the book one time. It's called Through Gates of Splendor. It's a powerful book. It's a powerful testimony, and how that those those missionaries when they landed on that shore, those Indians they met him with spears, and those missionaries were martyred on those jungle beaches there in South America. And here's what Jim Elliot said. A lot of people would think that Jim Elliot's life was a waste. Here's what he said. I love this quote. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Let me say that again. He is no fool who gets what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. You know what that's called? That's called understanding what it means for a corn of wheat to fall on the ground and die to bring forth much fruit. By the way, God used a martyr, the martyrdom of those missionaries to convert that whole tribe to Jesus Christ. Convert the whole tribe. And you know what? Sometimes it takes uh, uh, serving God in a way that we don't think. Amen? But what a wonderful lesson there. How about this, 1 Kings chapter 2. Anyone want to guess whose last words we find in 1 Kings chapter 2? There you go. Close. Uh, David. David's last words. First Kings chapter 2. Uh, well, if you want to get real technical about, about Samuel, uh, brother Dave, we had to go to the Witch of Endor there, right? But, uh, no, first Kings chapter 2. And, uh, let's see what David's last words were. And again, a, a, a giant of the faith, a sweet psalmist of Israel. Notice what he says here in First Kings chapter two, verses two through four. Of course, this is his charge to his son Solomon. Notice what he says: "I go the way of all the earth. Be thou strong, therefore, and show thyself a man." By the way, that's good advice for a father to his son. Amen. You know what, son? I'm not always going to be here. You got to be strong and show yourself a man. By the way, parents, you know what we're trying to raise uh, our, our, our boys to be men. Men. Amen. Without apology, you know what I I'm trying to raise my sons to be? Men. You know what that means? We do manly things. Amen? We do things that men do, and they don't include Barbie dolls, I can tell you that. Amen? No, without apology, we do things that are, are manly things. And by the way, ladies, that goes for your daughters too. You ought to be raising them to be ladies, to be women. Amen? And again, that was a little rabbit trail there. Okay, that, that was free. Alright, you didn't have to pay for that tonight. That was free. Alright, so here's what David said. Show thyself a man, and keep the charge of the Lord thy God. To walk in His ways, to keep His statutes, His commandments, His judgments, His testimonies, as, as is written in the law of Moses, that thou mayest prosper and all thou doest with us, thou turnest thyself. So based upon that context, you know what? It sounds good. Yeah, I'm going to be a man. <laughs> well, you know what the Bible says? If you're going to show yourself a man, you know what you're going to do? Obey the Word of God. That's what real men do, by the way. Amen. Amen. Being a man has nothing to do with walking around, beating your chest, and you know showing off your big guns or whatever. That has nothing to do with being a man. You know what a Christian man does? Obeys God. Amen. Amen? That the Lord may continue His word which He spake concerning me, saying, If thy children take heed to their way, to walk before me in truth with all their heart and with all their soul, there shall not fail thee, said he, a man on the throne of Israel. And here's the lesson we learned from the last words of David. God's blessings are based upon our obedience. God's blessings are based upon our obedience. You know what? David knew both ends of this spectrum. He knew what it was to obey the Lord. He knew what it was to disobey the Lord. He understood that obedience was linked to his prosperity, his blessing, and God's favor. He also knew his disobedience was linked to judgment, curses, and God's wrath. By the way, if it was good from David to Solomon, it's still good for us today. Amen? And we as Christians need to make conscious decisions of obedience to God and His Word. You know why a lot of Christians face the problems they face? Because they're self-inflicted. That's why. Because they neglect the principles of the world. Well, they're just lucky. No, they're not lucky. You know what they are? Obedient. Obedient cuz you obey the word of God then surprise surprise God work, God keeps his promises and his word works out for the best amen here's what the bible says all right by the way you don't have to learn the hard way quit trying to well, well I just have to learn it for myself that's a real bad way to learn stupid way to learn Okay, do I even need to tell my infamous story? No, I won't even tell it, all right? About how I learned the hard way when I was in high school. You probably already know it, all right? I'm not going to tell it tonight. Let me give you a Bible verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. But with many of them talking about the children of Israel, uh, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were now these things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things, as they also lusted. You know why God took. Five books of the Old Testament and detailed the life of his children. You know why? For us. So we would learn, right? So we wouldn't do the same wicked uh, things they did, so God wouldn't have to bring the same judgment in our lives he brought to their lives. Neither be ye idolaters as some of them, as it is written. The people sat down to eat, drink, and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed, and fell in one day three and twenty thousand says, neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted, and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured, and were destroyed of the destroyer. You know what God says? Listen, I've I've detailed, documented an account for you of what they did that I had to bring judgment into their life. Listen, I on purpose wrote it in the Bible, so you don't do the same thing. Amen? You know what He's trying to say? Just obey My Word. That's how I can bless your life. Amen? That's how I can bless your life. And you know what, folks? If we're going to see God's blessing on us in 2022, we better take same, uh, heed to the same charge. Amen? We better obey God in His Word. How about this? Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Anybody want to guess whose last words these are? There you go, Solomon. Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Verses 13 and 14. Solomon again. Uh, you talk about a sad life. Here's a man for the first half of his life was everything we ought to be. And then for the last half of his life was everything we shouldn't be. I mean, his life is the, is the example of what to do. His life is the example of what not to do. And finally, in his old age, as he was about ready to pass into eternity and face God, he came full circle with what he did and didn't do. And here's what he said, Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13 and 14. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. You ready? Here it is. It's all done. It's all, it's all in the books. Here's what it all comes down to. Fear God and keep His commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. That's it. It really is that simple, by the way. Fear God and keep His commandments, for God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. And here's the principle, you ready? The only thing that's going to matter is our relationship with God. That's all that's going to matter. hundred years from now, folks, nothing else is going to matter. The things that we think are so important aren't going to matter a hundred years from now. The only thing that's going to matter is our relationship with God. By the way, Solomon was an expert on this subject. He did things that most people could only dream about. Or in the case of all the women he had, have nightmares about, amen? No, you know what? Here's what the Bible says about Solomon. So I was great and increased more than all that were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me, and whatsoever my eyes desired, I kept not from them. When you talk about, you know, uh, doing it all, seeing it all, accomplishing it all, whatever there was to do, Solomon had the means to make it happen. And you know what he said at the end of that? By the way, you read that in Ecclesiastes chapter 2. You know what he says all that was? Vanity. Emptiness. Because he was doing it for himself, not because he was following God. And it came down to it. He said, listen, the whole, this whole thing is about God and our relationship with God. Amen? Acts chapter 7. Anyone know whose last words these are? Nope. Not Paul. Not Acts chapter 7. There you go. Stephen. That's right. Acts chapter 7, verse 60. And he, this is Stephen, kneeled down and cried with a loud voice. Of course, this was when he was being stoned for his preaching. When he was being stoned for the truth he was telling. Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. That was his last, literally his very last words. Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. Here's the lesson. One of the greatest acts of love is forgiveness. One of the greatest acts of love. Now, this is something that we ought to spend more time on. We don't have time for it tonight. I'm probably going to spend more time on it in 2022, Lord willing. But folks, let me just say this. As a Christian, you've got to learn the power of forgiveness. You've got to. Let me tell you, if you hang on to things, you know what you're doing? The people that you're unwilling to forgive, you're not hurting them one bit. You're not. Now, in our minds, the enemy has deceived us, making us think that, you know, that, that, that they're going to suffer for it. Truth be told, you know why a lot of Christians suffer? Because of unforgiveness and bitterness in their very own heart. One of the greatest tools that God has given us to defeat and cast down strongholds and to defeat the enemy is forgiveness. One well, the greatest acts of love. By the way, I'm, I'm just going to tell you this right now. You ready for this? Somebody's going to wrong you in the next year. Truth be told, could be someone in this room. That's just truth, folks. Now, I think as Christians, we should not intend to do that. We should guard against that. And if we do do that, we need to get it right. But truth be told, I mean, if every life plays out, because we all are human, we all have flesh, we all got to deal with that stuff, somebody's going to hurt you, offend you. I mean, folks, listen to me. The, I have no idea, okay? I don't have a crystal ball. I wouldn't use it if I had one. Amen? All I'm saying is this. Something's going to happen. What are you going to do? Okay, you know, you realize right now there's people a year ago who were in this room, committed, said they were committed, just like you say you're committed, and they're not here anymore. You know why? Because they couldn't learn to forgive. Is that going to be you next year at this time? Will you be the sermon illustration I talk about next year at this time? I would never call you out by name. I'm just saying, folks, listen to me. You got to learn to forgive. Amen. You, and, and again, I don't have time to even develop this tonight. But here's what Jesus said, Matthew chapter 18. Then, Peter, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 6. For if ye forgive men their trespass, then your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespass, neither will your Father forgive you your trespass. Wow. Those are some pretty strong words. Jesus said, listen, you harbor it in your heart, you don't want to forgive? Well, guess what? Guess who's not going to forgive you? The Father. Wow. Now, folks, listen to me. To me, the number one motivation to forgive is, it's because I need God's forgiveness in my life. Amen? And so you know what God says? Okay, you're my child. You do what I do. You forgive. I'm going to tell you, sometimes that's harder to do than just to say. Oh, just forgive. Well, you know what? It's easy to say that when you haven't had a traumatic experience happen to you that some people's had happen to them. Okay? And so, you, But you've got to learn to do it. One of the greatest acts of love is forgiveness. Okay, here's the next one. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Anybody want to guess? 2 Timothy chapter 4. Timothy? Good. There you go, Paul. Amen. There you go. That's alright. Good guess. You thought I was trying to trick you, didn't you? 2 Timothy chapter 4. Very, very famous passage of Scripture here. Verses 6 through 7. Paul was about at the end of his life. Uh, he was uh, all but ready to be executed, have his uh, head chopped off for his faith in Jesus Christ. And here's what he said, some of his last words. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. You ready? Here we go. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Amen? Here's what we learned from that. You ready? Finish strong. Finish strong. Amen? Let me tell you something, folks. God's not so much interested in how you started as He is how much you finish. How you finish. Everybody starts at different points of the race. Thank God we got young people here who's been brought up in church, who's been taught right, has been trained right. But that's not everybody's story. And that's okay if it's not. Hey, praise God you're in the race, amen. You're in the fight. But you know what? You can't get so caught up about how you started. You know what we've got to co- concentrate and, and, and keep our mind focused on? How we finish. And make sure we finish strong. Listen folks, whether by death or by trumpet, we need to be finishing strong. You would be finishing strong. By the way, how do you do that? Very simple. Number one, you've got to fight. You've got to fight. Now this Christian life is a battle. You've got to fight. you got to get up every day. Put your armor on, just like we preached about this year, and, and understand that you're in a battle. You're in a battle for good and right. You're in a battle for the things of God. You got to fight, Amen. You got to have a warrior's mentality if you're going to be making the Christian life. Number two, you got to focus, right? I have finished my course. You got to stay focused on the finish line. Any good runner, any good sprinter will tell you. You know what? What helps them get across that finish line is is, is to focus on that finish line you know what? That's a mental task. It's also a physical task. But listen to me, folks. You got to fight, you got to focus. And how about this? I have kept the faith. You gotta be faithful. You gotta be faithful. God's standard isn't perfection, but let me tell you what God's standard is, folks. Faithfulness. Come on, what do we all want to hear? Well done now. Good and what? Faithful servant. Amen. You gotta stay faithful. You gotta stay faithful to God, faithful to the scripture, faithful to the house of God. Amen. How about this? We're almost done, all right? Revelation chapter 22. Anyone want to guess who those last words were? John, there you go. Man, I love this. This is part of my prayer request. Revelation chapter 22. He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. That was Jesus talking. And here's what John says Amen. By the way, you know what the word amen means? So be it. Man, Jesus said, I'm coming quickly, John. Yes, Lord, so be it. And notice what he says. Even so come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Here's a lesson we learned from Brother John's last word. Be ready for Christ's return. Be ready. Be ready for it. Now, folks, listen. Can we say what John said? Even so come, Lord Jesus. Or are we too in love with the things of this life? Can we really say that? Even Well, Lord, I want you to come, but... Lord, uh, it'd be nice if I could do this and get to this point and say, you know, again, folks, listen, I'm not against having goals. I'm not against experiencing life. I know right now there's two young people in this room who are not praying that prayer. Amen. But that's okay. All right. I understand that. God is not against us as far as doing the things that we got to do in life. Amen. God's not against that. But the difference is we ought to be doing those things with a pilgrim's mentality. Here's what the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims. Strangers and pilgrims. You know what that means? That means this. We understand, folks, that everything we do is not really for this life. It's for the next life. This life is what that old song says. I'm just a passing through. Amen? My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. So in the process of living life, doing what we do, going to work, taking care of our families, enjoying life. And I believe God does want us to enjoy life. Listen, we do all that, though, with a pilgrim mentality. Understand something. You know what? It's not about what happens here. It's about there. Amen? But God set it up in such a way, it's how we live here affects the eternal. So you know what? Be ready for Christ's return. Be ready for it. Could this be the year? I sure pray it would be the year. Amen? And again, I'm not a prophet, but you don't have to be a prophet to look around and see what's going on in this world and how things are leading up and preparing for it. I'm telling you folks, I believe it's going to happen in our lifetime. So be ready for it. Amen? Live every day in in, in anticipation of it. And then last of all, let's close out with this. Here we go. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Anyone want to know whose last words those were? There you go, Jesus. Now, Jesus kind of gets in here a couple times because truth be told, every word's His word, right? And He really did say something before He died, but He came back to life, amen? I mean, we could go to the cross. His last words on the cross were what? It is finished. There you go. I could have preached about that. But how about this? These were his last words before he sent it back into heaven. Acts chapter one, verse eight. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and in the uttermost part of the earth. And you know what the lesson is from that, folks? It's our responsibility as Christians to reach people with the gospel. Think about that for a minute. The last words Jesus Christ said before He ascended was this. Preach the Gospel. Amen? I'm going to give you the power to do it, but you got to do it. So you know what that means for us? By the way, that's the same charge 2,000 years ago is still for us today. We've got to get the gospel out. Amen? And that's got to be the focal point of our lives as Christians. That's got to be the focal point of our church is to be involved in and doing, uh, be involved with ministries and, and in personal uh, interactions, getting out the gospel. I just want to encourage you. We'll, do, we'll be doing a little bit of preaching about this in Missions Emphasis Month. But I just want to encourage you. You know what? Uh, if, if maybe that's something that you haven't been involved in uh, very much or, or maybe you've been a little timid in that area, hey, step it up. Amen? Step it up. Let's get the gospel out. Again, aren't you glad someone brought the gospel to you? Right? Aren't you glad someone told you how to be saved? Listen, if you're glad for that, think about those people out there that are waiting on us to get the gospel to them. Amen? All right, so let's be involved in that. So here we go. Lessons. Last word, lessons. God can give us the victory over our enemies. Serving God is a choice. Living for self and sin will cost you big time. God's blessings are based upon our obedience. The only thing that's going to matter is our relationship with God. One of the greatest acts of love is forgiveness. Finish strong. Be ready for Christ's return. It's our responsibility as Christians to reach people with the gospel. Let's pray. Lord, we love you.